Good evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier, and we're so glad to have you with us, both myself and my honey honey, who is a special guest, Kamisha. Hi, Hi everyone. Well, glad to be here. Man, thank you. Thanks for joining us, honey honey. So for the listeners, we are continuing our conversation that we had concerning what the Lord is doing. In the previous episode, we were talking about how the Lord is bringing about a both a deliverance of his people and a delivery. And, and by that, I mean mm-hmm. of his church purifying her, there's a, a, a birth happening so that the, the church, his body, his bride can move forward, grow, mature in the things of him, unencumbered, un, unhindered, mm-hmm. in order to, for his glory, bring in his end time harvest. So we're going to continue that here in this discussion and we're talking about the people involved in that story in Mark 9 talking about the the demoniac or the boy that was set free and we're going to look at all the different people in the groups or, or what they represent as the Lord's revealed it but first we're going to open up with some prayer all right so Heavenly Father we thank you Lord for this time yes, and we Lord. know we're always in your presence thank you Jesus but this time apart with you being taught by you, being led by your Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. We welcome you in this place, Lord, and we thank you for the word that you're about to bring forth. We ask that you work on the hearts and the minds, Lord, giving Mm -hmm. us ears to hear and eyes to see. Yes, sir. What it is that you are saying to your people so we can act upon it. We thank you, Lord, that you're already working on their hearts, our hearts, to carry out your will, Lord. Amen. We thank you. Thank praise you, you in the name of Jesus. Jesus, almighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. So as we were saying, Mark 9, it talks about how there is, well, we'll just, I'll read a few verses so we can kind of see the, the people involved, right? And this is in Mark 9, starting in verse 14. When they came back to the disciples, there was a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, that's Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. Now, as we talked about it, the, the boy is, or was, was set free, was delivered, right? There was a great convulsing happening from a demonic force or entity that was slamming him into the ground, mm-hmm. <clears throat> right? So much so that the, the people in the crowd thought he was dead. Mm-hmm. But there's, well, five different people that we need to focus on. First is the Lord. Mm, first always. and foremost, and always, always right? Yeah. He must be first. Mm-hmm. But as we're introduced, there was a crowd. And the crowd was listening to, it says, some scribes. And we know that's typically referring to the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. Mm-hmm. Then there's the disciples. Mm-hmm. Then there is this father, one from the crowd, right? And, and again, this is in both Matthew and in Luke. And it talks about this is the boy's father. Okay. And there's the boy. 
So, so just understand things here and what, they, what the Lord is showing me that these represent. The scribes, which typically refers to the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, mm-hmm. refers to the religious leaders of the day. Mm-hmm. Those that have been given a place or made a place of leadership for themselves. They're not following the Lord. There's been an exchange of following the religious traditions, mm-hmm. what has been or become acceptable to people, and excluding, but excluding the Lord in this. Mm-hmm. Where then you have the disciples. And the disciples are those whom the Lord has chosen and appointed to be leaders. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'll say this in this way. We're talking about the church, his body, okay. his bride, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they represent more than that. We're just going to focus on, right, because judgment first begins with the house, right? So let's look at the house first. And by the house, I mean the Lord's house. So there are the Lord's appointed leaders. And then there is the father, the boy's father. Mm-hmm. And the boy's father, what the Lord is showing me, represents, yes, the actual fathers, right, mm-hmm. or parents, mm-hmm. but also he's representing intercessors and or, oh, uh, I'll say the combination of them and prophets. Okay. And it's interesting for us to, to recognize a few things. Um, and, and I'll say it in this way. Out of all the people that first that were introduced to, in this Mark, in, in, Mark in this in Mark chapter nine, but mm-hmm. also in in Matthew and in and in Luke, there is. It talks about how the the religious leaders and the disciples, so those in leadership again, religious leaders of the day and God's appointed leaders, were arguing with each other. So there's a difference. Absolutely, so a, a religious leader is someone who, by um, human tradition has been placed in a place of leadership and um, represents religious things, but not necessarily the Lord himself. Typically, what you would find in a religious leader is someone who practices things that seem comforting to human flesh or of human flesh origin, but the presence of the Lord is not there, nor is it welcomed, or the the intention or the heart of God is, is not welcomed in that place either. Mm-hmm. comparing that to the disciples, which are the leaders that Christ or the father had appointed that Christ chose to carry on ministry, to edify the body of Christ, to teach and instruct, to learn from him first, but then pass that down to raise up the, the youth of the body of Christ, if you will, the new creations that would soon be coming into the kingdom and show them God's ways, but also understand what it means to, dwell with God, abide with him, and be in the presence of the Lord and Savior and do those things that are pleasing to the Lord. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you for that, honey. honey. Welcome, darling. So, so they are arguing. Now, it's interesting to note that I don't know what they're really arguing about because the thing, the issue that was brought to their attention, the religious leaders didn't solve, mm-hmm. but neither did the disciples or the the leaders the Lord had chosen mm-hmm. rectify the situation. Mm-hmm. So, but it, interestingly enough, now you have the, the father who comes and he, when he sees Jesus, he runs to Jesus. 
But it's interesting Jesus' response. Well, both what the Father says, but Jesus' response. And mm-hmm. what the Father first says is, this is what happens to my son. I brought him to your disciples. In other words, I brought him to your leaders. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And clearly they were now distracted with arguing. But then Jesus' response was uh, one of... Interesting, uh, depending on which version you look at, whether it's in Luke 9 or Matthew 17. Uh, and I love Mark's, I do love Mark's response because it, it, it fulfills that scripture where it says, love covers a multitude of, of sins. Mm-hmm. Mark, if you look at the verbiage, there's a, it's not as harsh as you see written in Luke or, or Matthew. Okay. Where he's, he uh, says to them, uh, let me find the place in Luke. Um, let's see. Jesus answers, and you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you and put up with you? And he says something similar um, in Matthew as well. But it's, um, it's just the unbelief that, and this is something the Lord is revealing, that those that are are the fathers, right? They have done, they've been given authority, mm-hmm. right? Uh, both as, as a parent, but also in the place that they have been, right? Okay. They have tried to hold things together. Mm-hmm. And I say that within the, within the body, within the church, right? Working with the leadership in order to do what they understood or thought the Lord required. But their first go-to was man, was people, mm-hmm. natural leaders, mm-hmm. not the Lord, where um, the Lord constantly talks about, hey, I've put watchmen on the walls, these intercessors, these, these prophets, these people that are supposed to come to me mm-hmm. to get my ways, my plan, and speak the word that I give uh-huh. for your benefit. But it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Not always. Not fully. So... And he says it in multiple places. Jeremiah six seventeen, he talks about I appointed watchmen over you and said, "Listen to the sound of the ram's horn." But they answered, "We will not listen." Isaiah fifty six ten says, "Israel's watchmen are blind; they are oblivious; they are all mute dogs; they cannot bark; they are dreamers; they are dreamers lying around and loving to slumber, like ravenous dogs. They're never satisfied. They are shepherds with no discernment. They all turn to their own way, each one seeking his own gain." And even Isaiah sixty two six says. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord shall take no rest for yourselves. So you see, the first two were what natural-minded watchmen were doing. Mm-hmm. They were in opposition to the Lord. Where the last one, Isaiah 62, is how a watchman or intercessor or a prophet is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yes, call out what, what is seen, what is observed, but bring it to the Lord. Because he's the only one that can truly do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And and get the plans from him. But it's it's also interesting because as a result of of all this, they had to bring it to the Lord. Everything that happened, right? They had to bring it to the Lord because the leaders were now pre well, had not done what they were supposed to do, and were preoccupied now. Mm-hmm. So he had to bring the boy, and the boy represents, as we said, yes, a son, right? Uh, mm-hmm child, one that is growing and, and supposed to be maturing, mm-hmm. but has been hindered 
mm-hmm. by the enemy. Mm-hmm. But he represents, and, and again, we'll start with, I'll say the church, the body and the bride of Christ, right, has been hindered from growing into all that is supposed to grow and develop and mature to. Mm-hmm. But it that has also happened, yes, because of what the church has been allowed in. And by the church, I also mean the leadership has allowed into the church, mm. which has impacted the body. So let's let's take a moment and pause and kind of ponder what you're saying. Um, just because the Lord is, he never leaves us without understanding of how he's moving in any time and season. Amen. And um, our God is a God of habits and patterns. Absolutely. Not that he is redundant or repetitive in an ungodly way, but Ecclesiastes talks about that which has been done will be done again. Mm-hmm. And he uses his word to show us and give us glimpses or a way to understand and interpret the things that we are seeing because there's nothing new under the sun in the way of Satan is always going to do what he's going to do. Sin nature and human flesh always looks the same from Genesis to revelation. It all looks the same and it all has the same display of actions. Mm -hmm. And there may be a new accent, there may be a new trend, (laughs) but across people, groups, cultures, times, history, seasons, eras, it all looks the same. Amen. And our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he does not change. He's always good. And he's always going, hey, here's what's going on. Here's where you are, like the map in the mall. Here's the red dot. Here's right. where you are. And here's where you need to be if that those two places don't align. And then he gives us a course to kind of lay out how do we get to the place he's calling us to. So what's happening in this section of scripture is definitely... Um, you can take it at face value, but it also has a prophetic ring to it or truth that's also layered upon this word because God is gracious and he He always makes sure that we can understand and find him where he is and align ourselves with him, even when we've deviated or gone astray. Amen. And now, now I bring up the boy. And as you were saying, it's a prophetic word because it's not just for the church. Mm-hmm. It's not just for the body and bride of Christ. The boy also represents, I'll say, every aspect and facet of society. He represents the family, represents the home. He represents uh, faith and government and and politics and um, business and finance and education. And like I said, every area and aspect of government has been, um, well, I'll, I'll say, impacted by uh, the enemy, the Satan, the adversary. And these mm-hmm. demonic forces. Mm-hmm. So the the Lord is removing this thing. He's already cast it out. And that's what's come up or the reason for this shaking that we as a nation and throughout the entire earth, the world, all the nations have been experiencing. Absolutely. And you mentioned the 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 boy and all that it represented. Well, the boy was disabled by Absolutely. this demonic oppression. And then there has to be an accountability for how it got there because spirit parents have spiritual authority over their children, Amen. Um, especially when they're under a certain age. And we are the one who sets set the doorway. We guard the doorway and the entry point. And we have the right through the name of Jesus Christ. And we have the delegated authority given to us because we are not only believers, but the parent of that child to 
to declare something permissible or not permissible. So there is an accountability for this boy being in this condition to his father, which is also why Christ went to the father to get the father's permission to cast the devil out. He didn't just do it automatically because the boy was oppressed because the dad was a doorkeeper for the good of God coming in or the evil of the adversary being removed. So we're the doorway on that, which is another reason why intercessors are important in the yes. uh, prophetic comparison that you're making. But that that statement he says, right, unbelieving and perverted generation, it wasn't just said to the boy's father. If we truly look at that. He was talking to the to whole crew. Everybody, everybody in the crowd. Mm-hmm. They all had a role and a part in, to play in things being in the state that they're in. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to go, and oh, well, I'm the- not the parent, so I don't have to do anything. No, but the leaders bear, as you were just saying, bear a responsibility and accountability as well. Because they came after the Lord had taken care of it and said privately to the Lord, why couldn't we cast this out? And he says very plainly, this kind doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. Well, we have to understand the prayer and fasting. Prayer is how we communicate with our Heavenly Father. And fasting is not what typically has been taught about, oh, you just give up food for some time. Or what typically, tip, uh, typically comes to mind. Right, yeah. it, it, right, mm-hmm. exactly. It is, if you look at Isaiah 58 and Isaiah 61, it's, it mirrors each other. In Isaiah 68, starting in verse 6, but going to the end of the chapter, he talks about, is this not the kind of fast I would choose? And everything he starts listing is exactly lined up with Isaiah 61, chapter 61, from verse 1 through the end of the chapter. They mirror each other. So he's talking about a lifestyle where every thing in your life that doesn't reflect the nature and character of the Lord, and, and I'll say it in this way, everything that would hinder you from hearing clearly and accurately, the voice of the Lord to and in your life is uprooted or removed so mm-hmm. that you can clearly hear what he, what the Father is saying and desires for you to do, which is his will, his plan, his purpose, and his covenant, and the destiny track that he set out for you. So you could say, well, but it's, it's the disciples. Well, what do you mean? It doesn't come up by prayer and fasting. Weren't they with Jesus? Yeah, they were. And it's really interesting because Mark puts this after the transfiguration. In other words, uh, so when uh, Peter, James, and John went up on the on the mountain and saw the Lord transfigured, as in, and the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about making monuments for Moses and Elijah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen to him mm-hmm. and what he says. And it's really interesting that the we'll go to the leaders on why they were in the place that they were at, mm-hmm. right? I just want to say something really quickly Please about do. that point. Um, in that transfiguration scene in context, it was Peter thought he was honoring God by saying, let's build these tabernacles and let's just stay here. Right. And God, the way he responded with was to say, it's not what you think honors me that honors me. It's what... I told you, which is listening and obeying my son is what honors me. That's what I need you to do. That's what I'm looking for. And I want from you. And that's, you know, the real thing that honors God is to listen and obey and 
follow through with what he's done, ask you to do with a willing and obedient mm-hmm. heart, not do what you think is right. Absolutely. So I'll, we got to we got to understand a couple things, right, about the timing of this. Now, the Gospel of Luke puts Jesus' earthly ministry in both chronological and geographical order. Okay. So, again, this is in Luke chapter 9. It begins in verse 37, this, this same thing that we read here in, in Mark chapter 9, right? Okay. But prior to that, the beginning of chapter 9... It talks about the ministry of the 12. The 12 were sent out. They were given power and authority over demons and and heal and, and all these things, right? Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the 5,000 being fed, and which is an important timeline, right? And then after the 5,000 were fed, there was uh, about a week, and then the transfiguration happened, right? But that 5,000 being fed is, is a key, uh, I'll say, marker in time for us to go back to to the gospel of mark and that actually begins in mark chapter six the five thousand being fed right okay and it's important for us to understand what happened and why the lord was essentially telling the leaders you can't clearly and accurately hear me or hear hear the word of the lord there's something there there's an issue Right, something is, is clouding or blocking your your ability to hear and see what, what the Father is doing. And if you look at the 5,000 being fed, and you really study this out, and it's, it's from, I'll say, Mark chapter 6 through Mark chapter 8. Uh, and, and there are mul- multiple things happen, right? They, the 5,000 are fed. Jesus sends them away. Mm-hmm. To the other side, and, and if you look at all the gospels, you will you will come across this. Um, in Luke, it it kind of goes all the way up to the feeding of. Well, it doesn't really talk about the feeding of the four thousand, mm-hmm. um, which is actually where um, Mark kind of puts this in chapter eight, right? But understanding this this timeline, so the five thousand are fed. Jesus sends them away, but they struggled with what Jesus had told them to do during the feeding of the five thousand the task he had given them. You feed the people. But they were to know they had to do these, the same things Jesus did. And they struggled with that. They struggled with that so much, even though they were just used. And that's, part of, I guess, part of the, the biggest thing is just because we're used and we see results doesn't mean we can get complacent with the Lord. Mm-hmm. We still have to honor and revere him mm-hmm. above everything else. And yes, even when the Lord asks us to do what is seemingly a difficult thing, which is when the, what he asks his disciples to do in feeding the 5,000, they had to trust him, mm-hmm. still keep their faith, and, and walk and move in faith. They struggled with that. And it's also the same about the same time where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So not only do they struggle with the task, but uh, what the Lord had given them to do, but then they also struggled with the Lord. And mm-hmm. You can say, well, John, how do we know that they struggled? Well, we're going to get to that. Now, they were still shown amazing things. As we said, they saw the transfiguration happen. Our limitations don't stop God from being who he is. Absolutely. <laughs> God is still going to carry out his plan and be the Absolutely. wonderful and amazing and awesome God that he already is. So, so as I said, they saw the, the you know, they were used. 
Mm-hmm. They then saw the Lord still move, fed the 5,000. They saw the transfiguration, right? And there was still some mm-hmm. some correction or some admonishment from the Heavenly Father right there. This mm-hmm. is my son, listen to him. Mm-hmm. But And then sometime later, they saw the 4,000 fed. And an interesting thing happens there. Jesus finally addresses it. And, um, and this is in Mark chapter 8, uh, begins with verse 14. It talks about how they forgot to take bread. And, and uh, well, there's this, this point as well. Notice in verse 11, the Pharisees came out. This is in Mark chapter 8, verse 11. The Pharisees came out and began to argue with the Lord. But notice, isn't that the same thing they were doing here in Mark chapter 9? At the, with the, the, the religious leaders were arguing with the disciples. But notice how differently it's handled here. Jesus just gets the word of the Lord and, and it sorts it out quickly. It's not as long drawn out argument that we're reading about here in Mark chapter 9 with the scribes there in, in the midst of the crowd. So remember last week we talked about how he says, oh, what are you discussing with them? Or in other words, what are you arguing about? Well, let's understand that point as well because they are now teaching the people. They're showing by their actions they're not in line with the Lord. And one of the things that hinders the people of God for moving is strife. Absolutely. Strife is a hindrance to our faith and it is a distraction. So what does the adversary try to do to keep the body of Christ from being in, in effect, to keep the body of Christ from being effective? He sends in strife. Absolutely. You can see it like a, an argument will just throw it up out of nowhere. And then, or what you're seeing commonly today um in, in current times in the within the, the body of Christ and religion kind of deal, the religious people who are parading as Christians are trying to stir up strife with um, the body of Christ that's trying to go with the Lord and maybe just need mm-hmm. some help getting going. But there's all this contention that's going around. Why? Because the adversary wants to keep the body of Christ immobilized. Exactly. Uh, but then, so as I was saying, it starts in verse 14 but uh, of Mark chapter 8. But he also says uh, this in verse 17, Jesus, aware of this, that they had no bread, said to them, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see or understand? Do you not? Do you, and then he says this, do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Right? And he reminds them about when he broke the bread and, and all these other things. Mm-hmm. But it's, 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 we have to understand this. They struggled, and they struggled with the Lord for some time, and it impacted their ability to do what the Lord had called them to do, to the point of now having being in contention and arguing with others. So much so that when they they then ask about signs, right? He gives them the statement about how the Son of Man is about to be delivered. They didn't understand it, but it also hindered them from prayer. Right? Remember Jesus said this kind only comes up by prayer and fasting? Well, they were hindered from asking the Lord and hearing his response because they were afraid. So, you know, what the Lord was showing me is, hey, we need to, to address some things as, I'll say, the leaders and the places, the positions that he's put us. We need to humble ourselves, bring it up to him, choose to come into alignment with him and his plan and uproot those things in our lives and in our walk with him that don't reflect him, his nature, his character, his attributes. And by, by remove, I mean 
up or by uproot them, I mean, we remove everything that is hindering us from growing up and maturing with the Lord because he wants and desires his body comes up to a new level. Mm-hmm. Don't let it be a part of your life anymore. Second Corinthians 10, 5 says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against mm-hmm. the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I do that for me. You do that for you so that we individually can go where God wants us to go. Amen. Well, we're going to pause there for today. We love you. God bless you. Continue to stand for righteousness and do justice. Have a wonderful evening.